Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Husky Fan Podcast, where we will talk about Husky football and all matters relating to Husky football. Uh, <laughs> brother, uh, it's been a while since we've chatted. How are you doing? Well, I mean, I thought we were talking about Rolovich. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I, yeah, yeah, I thought that would probably be something that you wanted to touch on. Well, briefly. Honestly, it's more interesting than Husky football right now. I mean, just, <laughs> it just gets worse by the week. It just, uh, we continue to be uh, validated in our feelings about the program. And here we are again to lament about a shit football game and a shit ending and a not surprising ending of any sort. Um, So we get to just discuss the same issues for another week. And uh, I mean, there's definitely some angles that we can touch upon, you know, in regards to a number of things. One being the quarterback Two being the run defense. Three being coaching decisions and so forth. So it's your show, pal. You tell me where to start. Or you, you, you share what, what you want to get to first. Cause, hey, uh, bro- brother, fuck that shit. It's our show. It's <laughs> not my show. It's our show. Uh, it, yes, but hey, listen, man. I'm never going to beat my chest by myself. It's <laughs> Well, look, I mean, let's be honest, though. You, you do have the producer hat. <laughs> well, the, produ- respect, the producer hat is just uploading uh, a file <laughs> and tweeting <laughs> hey, about it. It's good enough for me. But I, I do have to say this because... Uh, John Wilner, did you see that he called Husky Twitter the lunatic fringe? <laughs> and I, I, yeah, go ahead. But I no, because I just wanted to say this um, because there are some, you know, Husky Twitter, the lunatic fringe, which you know, I'm definitely, I wouldn't say I'm, you know, I'm part of that all the time, but I'd say some of the time, mm-hmm. that whole group cannot act like they've been right about everything. I mean, dating back to. 2013 2014 because much of that group was bitching about peterson you know in 2014 2015 bitching about his recruiting when in reality the recruiting was going really well i mean the the linebacker snafus at the end of his i mean that was really the downfall you know getting cucked on some of those linebackers and, and missing nick bolton but anyway i mean my point is um it's it's off putting how a lot of Husky Twitter and the lunatic fringe acts like they've been right about everything because they haven't. In, in, anything specific? And and I just my like my point on that like I just wanted to because I forgot what in relation to you you know our show and you being a co-host, uh, you've been very accurate about a lot of things over the years, so I don't consider you part of that and i think that's why i mean 
you know, without you, we wouldn't really have a show. So I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm well, uh, puffing, I'm, I'm, I'm beating your chest, but I did want to make that clear. Like you're not part of the lunatic fringe that Wilner is taught, even though Wilner is the one. And I like John Wilner. Like he's very accurate in his coverage, in his predictions over the years. He he he's more accurate than anybody else, to be honest. You know, or at least you know, ninety-five percent of the people out there. But for him to say, you know, and, and Coker thinks that Jen Cohen was feeding him that info, and he was relaying that. Uh, but for him to call people who want Jimmy Lake fired the lunatic fringe, I mean, that's just ridiculous. And then you have Jen Cohen in her interview, bl- not blaming the fans directly, but basically doing as much. And especially a lot of these fans who've been fans for 20 years, at least, who've gone through some huge downs and some brief ups. Uh, I mean, it's it's just ridiculous. So I wanted to, I guess, put some context on the lunatic fringe. So both good and bad. I, I guess what I'm asking here is, Wilner believes that Lake is doing a good job and that he doesn't deserve the heat or that it's too early to uh, call for his uh, removal. I, what is the lunatic fringe that they're unhappy with shit football that was apparently going to be a Pac-12 championship caliber team? a coach who had said that the offensive line was the best in the Pac-12 and would dominate, and they would dominate the run game. Virtually everything that Lake had said this team was (laughs) had not come to fruition in any form. So what what is Wilner so upset about that he is labeling people the lunatic fringe? What, what, What does he feel like Lake has done well or deserves no uh, critique i think he thinks it's too early that it's entirely too early and he was saying oh well we uw didn't fire hopkins but if you look at the revenue like i don't know what the figures are but basketball uh, basketball revenue is probably a fraction of football revenue oh so so i I know that people are using the hopkins example but here's the other thing hopkins inherited a bad program won a conference championship and then we went all the way back down so Hopkins, at least in his first two years, you could at least say, well, he earned the right to sure. okay. coach for a few more years versus Jimmy, who everything has been bad since he took over and he's tanking the program. Like, th- I mean, there's a big difference there. Like, yes, Hopkins tanked the program, but mm-hmm. it was, he at least it, he, it was already in the tank when he inherited it and he at least had a good first two years. And and that plus the fact that basketball it brings in a fraction of the money that you know, but football and football's the bellwether program. Well, of course, um, but uh, you know, I I think I think lunatic fringe is over the top. Uh, I, I mean, look, I mean, Capel has wrote pretty, you know. Clearly that, you know, there were a lot of factors where there it was a question section and someone had talked about, you know, first year coaches, you know, Don James first year, you know, prior coaches first season. And his to his point, he was saying, like, look, I mean, 
the cupboard was packed, right? Apparently with, with talent and the culture was understood. Lake had been with Peterson for seven years. You know, Capel was saying essentially there probably hasn't been a setup for a first-year coach like Jimmy's has been in regards to, like, the system, um, the cohesiveness, uh, you know, the culture. Apparently, you know, Lake was going to continue the built-for-life culture and all those things, right? There was familiarity with players. They had a quarterback that, you know, played four games and, you know, showed some some progress early and with the talent up front that we've discussed to ad nauseum. So, you know, Lake, sure. Maybe he does deserve uh, some time, but what's really just disheartening is obviously losing to Montana, which is never a good way to start the year. And then all of the things that you talked about in the off season, just being completely uh, invisible, just not even, not even seen anywhere in the field of any sort. And, and this whole idea that Brock had brought up in re- just recently on Twitter about the defensive philosophy right now. He, he can't understand what they're doing defensively. And, you know, Chess, we talk about the, the, the prowess of the secondary and the talent they apparently have. They don't trust these guys. Like, they're, they're not helping the run game in any, in any way with the safeties. So it's just mind blowing. Yeah, maybe Jimmy is just—he uh, still thinks he's a DB coach, and he's maybe. trying to get his corners drafted in the first round. I mean, at the expense of the program. I mean, holy shit! I mean, that's what it looks like because they haven't changed the defense. But it's—it's it's really a spec. The whole thing is a spectacular failure, <laughs> and I'm putting it lightly. They, yeah, just a couple things. Okay, the the defensive philosophy, you touched on that. The offensive philosophy, wanting to be, you know, a heavy run team, power run team, whatever, and the stats opening the season. I mean, the stats last year where those, you know, yes, you're able to run against Oregon State and Arizona, but Utah, Stanford, you basically get shut out in the first half of those games and you have to resort to passing aggressively to come back. And then this year, after the first several games, like you don't even have, you're the only team at one point, you're the only team in the nation without a 20 yard run. And you look at the talent at wide receiver, you know, plus Kate Otten. I mean, that's the strength of the team. I mean, you're playing some, you're playing, you're playing some kind of ball control. Like it just doesn't, the offense and defensive philosophies are completely wrong. And I don't, I don't want to act like I'm some kind of football expert, but it's clear given the talent on the team and just given what has transpired, that's the right conclusion that the macro philosophies are, they don't even fit the personnel of the team. Like it's totally ridiculous. (laughs) And I don't even, and I mean, how how well do they even know their personnel? Because it it took them a while to figure out that Kamari Pleasant was by far the best running back. Yeah, D- Jimmy, do you know that he he has the highest yards per carry amongst running backs? 
in the league. I did not know that, but that does not surprise me. Now, he, his his number of carries is really not – I mean, he's – if you look at the running backs, he has, you know, 40% or half as many carries as a lot of these guys. So I'm sure as he gets more carries, his average will probably come down a little bit at least. But nevertheless, I mean, that's still an interesting statistic. You look at how Kamari Pleasant has been playing, and he's one of the few guys who's gotten better. I mean, he's out there, he's playing hard. You know, same thing with McGrew, six-year seniors. Shout out to those guys. They care. But, I mean, how how well do they – I mean, they had Kamari Pleasant as the number four back coming into the season. And he's the be- he's clearly the best back. Like, it's not even close, and I'm not – I'm not saying I wasn't wrong because I was completely wrong about that. But, you know, the, <laughs> there's no consequences when I'm completely wrong. But there there is, you know, when you're a coach and you're completely wrong and your best you have your best running back is fourth on the depth chart. <laughs> it, it, it's 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 so hard to understand. When when we watch you know, Pleasant just in the last few weeks, I mean, it, it feels like he's on the verge of breaking a run almost every time he touches the ball. And and the fact that he got no run against lowly Montana, I mean, we've already talked about it. They win that game with McCrew and Pleasant running the ball. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, Pleasant is clearly, hands down, the best running back on the team. And it's amazing, even in the last couple games, you know, he's running hard and clearly – you know, they Donovan talks about giving the ball to the hot hand and, and you know developing a rhythm. I mean, it's clear that Pleasant is like he's chunking run like yards on every time, almost every time he touches the ball. Yeah, I'm going to bring up the stats, but I think he had far fewer carries than McGrew did against UCLA. I I, I believe that had to be the case because I was surprised how good he looked, and then he just didn't come back in the game. And, like, we're fans of McGrew, too, but we want the best chance for this team to win, and I, Pleasant gives you the best chance from a running perspective. And he can catch the ball. Yeah, so I'm, bring, I'm bringing it up here. So Pleasant only had nine carries. McGrew had... 18. So McGrew had twice as many carries. McGrew, 18 carries for 38 yards. Pleasant, 9 for 80. Holy. <laughs> and uh, UCLA's run defense statistically was actually pretty good. So it's not like Pleasant. You know, we've now seen Pleasant run fairly well against multiple opponents. Yes. So essentially, if he got McGrew's 18 carries, he's pushing 200 yards rushing. Yeah, I mean, it might be that might be a stretch because we don't know if well, sure, Let's some just, of McGrew's carries were setting up Pleasant or you know whatnot. But yes, I mean, okay, over a hundred yards, we're probably we could probably say confidently he has he rushes for over a hundred yards. Yes. Yeah. So I. It, it seems strange. It definitely seems. I mean, we, we week to week, we're just we don't understand what's going on. And now, and now, I mean, give credit to the media in respect to like asking Jimmy if they have the right staff in place. Uh, you know, of course, like if you answer that question, 
is seriously, unless the coach is really, really stupid, are they going to give you a soundbite from a question like that? Like, kudos for asking it, but you will never get a response that you want, right, that will allow you to give a headline article, right? Because all it counts now is clickbait. So kudos to them at least asking the question. You know, the quarterback question has been brought up, and, and Lake has just squashed that idea. So it appears that we are going to see Dylan Morris the rest of the year. And we don't know if that's because they want Sam to redshirt or he's not ready or he's not as, as advertised. Yeah. I lost my train of thought. I was thinking, uh, okay. Yeah. So, do we even know that the best quarterback is playing? I mean, given what's happened at the running back position and just giving <laughs> the complete mismanagement of the entire program, I mean, are we sure that the best quarterback is playing? Now, I know there's some people on Twitter who are saying, you know, inside sources or whatever, they're saying Sam's going to play this Friday. You know, who knows? I'm not really they sure. They play this Friday? They play this Friday. Now, Kim, Kim Reynolds was posting, you know, he posts his thoughts from the weekend, and he was blaming Jimmy a lot on the quarterback situation. And he is he is a somewhat of a mouthpiece or a fluffer for Jen Cohen. So when he starts criticizing the coaches, you know that that's also coming from the top, the very top. Mm. And yeah, he was saying it's time for Sam to play. And he was also pointing out in the spring that Morris and O'Brien were pretty close. So in the last couple of weeks, I've been thinking, why not play O'Brien? Yeah, I was thinking, let's play O'Brien. Now, at this point, I agree with Danny O'Neill. Um, him and uh, Capel, they do a really good job on their podcast. Mm. And he was basically saying, you got to play Sam now to you know, prevent these wide receivers from transferring because that's, that's a big fear is, and you know what? They might transfer anyway, even if Sam (laughs) plays the rest of the year. I mean, Romo Dunze, his dad's got his highlights up on YouTube. Uh, Some reporter, I don't know who it was. They asked Romo Dunze if he was happy to be here. I mean, you don't, if you're happy to be here, you don't get asked that question. Yeah, I, I mean, Odunze doesn't need his footage on YouTube. Like, I'm sure there's plenty of programs that are aware. Yeah, but you um, look at the body language of some of the, of the receivers, it's just not – I mean, Terrell Bynum is – I haven't even – I've looked at some Twitter profiles of guys on the team, and it's, it's very limited Husky stuff on there. Oof. So – Oof. Yeah, so I – this is – I mean, if anyone in the football office is aware of what's going on, you have to play for the future now. You got to get Sam. And the thing about Sam's, I think the red shirt for Sam, that is more give him time to bulk up and get ready for the physicality of the new level. Him red shirting is not, oh, we got to preserve him so we can have him as a fifth year yeah, senior. Yeah, of course. It's a physical age thing. And he he didn't really have a senior season in high school. Right. So, I I mean, at this point, are, are we that pathetic of a program that we can't find another quarterback to replace Sam in the next yeah. three years? 
well, they're going to have to make a sell job. Right. I mean, you know, some of this is recruiting highly regarded quarterbacks is, is there's a timing element in it as well. Right. I mean, look at the quarterback room that P had that just fell apart. I mean, they had what Yankoff sermon, uh, Browning was still in the program, correct? There was one other guy, if I recall. Point being, you know, having a bunch of four-star guys in the room probably isn't going to work out, right? Those guys are going to end up going somewhere else for playing time. So a portion of it is is timing for stud quarterbacks to come in, and how much time are they going to have to sit on the bench and wait and play, right? So there, there's some element to that, and it's hard to predict you know, who's going to be available, who has interest in the program. But you would think that you could recruit a highly regarded player if the opportunity is available and there's some talent there. Um, but clearly, I mean, on the West Coast, they're going to get highly recruited by other Pac-12 schools. There's tons of ammo against this program right now. Uh, you know, so who knows? I mean, maybe they find a, a diamond in the rough. They find a Josh Allen. Uh, you know, he only has one offer to Wyoming, but UW seems to find this guy. Those maybe, maybe that could be the kid that's committed. Who's that? I don't even know his name, but he... I know nothing about him. Yeah, I haven't watched his film. I've just read what people say about him. He's a three-star quarterback. I think he has good tools, you know, good size, good movement. And um, when does he when does he get to the program? I think he's a senior this year. So he comes in next fall. I think so. Well, the maybe, risk is the risk is if he has a good senior year, he could get stolen away by a stronger program. Well, and he, let's say he comes in. And, you know, is he going to sit on the bench for three years? What, assuming Sam takes over? Hard to say. Yeah, but anyway, I... You know, with recruiting, it's so hard. It's so it's so hard to look two or three down, right. years down the road in recruiting. It just, it is. It's just really difficult to do. Right, but I mean, circling back to the present, because I don't want to spend too much time on QB yeah, recruiting... Um, Okay. The, the 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 point is, we really need to do at this point. Like my objective for this team is, how can we keep most of these guys from leaving the program? Like, how do we keep Rome, Jalen? You know, maybe Bynum will probably leave or transfer to another school. Well, the, the the thing of it is, is that they got to get crystal clear on Lake's future, on John Donovan's future, and the commitment to these guys, right? I mean, yeah. if these if these guys are in limbo and there's no communication and they don't know what's going on, why would you stick around? Yeah, you're basically on a sinking ship. Right, but they don't they don't have to. I mean, they can wait to transfer until next spring, so they don't have to like immediately. I guess if you're UW, I would say, look, just give us... More clarity earlier, the better. Right. Do you want want athletes in winter conditioning thinking about transferring in the spring or leaving the program 
Like, where's their head? Where's their commitment? It, you know, it's just, you have to get some foundational control within this program. And it, it appears like it's a staff in complete confusion. They don't appear to see, know what they're doing. Their in-game management hasn't been great. Jimmy's, you he's, know, he's completely, he's, com- yeah. he's so bad. He's completely in over his head. Yeah. That, that's, yeah. I mean, that's, that's just, the, that's just the truth. And you know what? I like Jimmy Lake personally, and that doesn't, I, I know you do. And I, I just, we don't have to get emotional or like protect people. Yeah, it's like I, we said last time that most coaches, there's a lot of good, great assistant coaches out there that don't make good head coach. I mean, Gilby is a great example. Amazing yeah, career for us we, as an we, assistant we coach. This. We I know, this. but that's, it's just, yeah, yeah no, you're, I, you're right I, about the, I you're know. right about the clarity. I just, yeah, I'm really worried that we're looking at the third collapse of this program in the last yeah. 20 years. Well, I mean, there's a ton of heat. I mean, it doesn't feel like anyone's protecting the program. And, and Softy has been that guy to protect, protect the program. I mean, I keep going back to the Tyrone situation because, I mean, he, he sunk with the ship on that one. He called the firing like way too late in the game. Like it was already clear, right? I mean, it was bad. Do you remember when Dave Samick had a dog? That's Dogman himself. Didn't he write an article like the day before or the day yeah. after? He <laughs> yeah, it was total pup piece, total joke. Like yeah, that was so bad. Okay, let let's go back to. I thought Tyrone should have been fired in two thousand six after the suddenly senior thing, and then we should have oh. hired Dennis Erickson. Well, that that could have been the case. It could have. Where where was Dennis at the time? I think he was at Idaho, and then after that year, he went to Arizona State. Yeah. Okay. And they had a good year or two with him, I think. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if Erickson has been. I don't. He, he wouldn't have been a long term hire. It's just right. Yeah. You know, it's just not in his DNA, but. You know, that well, was, shows you how smart I was then. I mean, for that fourteen years ago, you want you want you don't want to talk about quarterback recruiting. You, you want to talk about coaches we could have hired. 14. Okay, l- let's go back even further. This will be a quick segment because I tweeted about this. I'm thinking of these are the most most consequential decisions in UW football history. I'm talking about negatives. You know, not not pot. We have to go pretty. We have to go back pretty far if we're talking about positives. But most consequential negatives in history. So there's two. There's two things, and I want you to tell me which one you think is number one. So the obvious is not fighting the Pac Nine on the sanctions in 1993. Mm-hmm. You know, taking the two year instead of the one year deal. Yeah. And the other one is not hiring Gary Pinkle in 1999. And I do want to mention Gary Pinkle, if you look at what he did at Missouri. Yeah. Andrew, metric superiority guy at P-Dog 206. In his database of hundreds and hundreds of coaches, Gary Pinkle is in the 92nd percentile. 
I mean, Don James is probably so. You've Nick Saban's a hundred. I have to ask you what Don James is. I'm assuming he's probably like a 96 or a 97. But Gary Pinkle was a damn good coach. And we hired, I think a lot of, Barbara Hedges, the AD, I think most people who were, she was getting guidance from told her to hire Pinkle. But she hired New Heisel. But anyway, those are, those are the two. So I'm curious what you think was more consequential for the history of UW football. Well, if I recall, Don James was going to stay if they only got the one-year bull band, correct? Correct. How old was he? 60. He prob- 60. He would have coached at least another five years. I, I think it has to be the the two-year bull band. Well, it's tough because on, on Dogman, there was a threat about this, and one person, they said they talked to Tom Porter – who's a UW historian. He recently passed away. He's a big driving force behind the 1960 team, getting recognized grandpa of current Husky and outstanding punter race Porter. And he felt that Don James was going to coach another four or five years. But the guy on Dogman who knows Don James really well, who goes by the name of AA Andy, which uh, (laughs) I, I don't think, I don't think that's related to Alcoholics Anonymous, but he claims that, uh, two or three more years was the maximum. Uh, you know, what makes it difficult is that New Heitzel did provide that Rose Bowl year, which was an amazing football year. I mean, that was a great... I mean, there was so much... That was, was a pretty spectacular so, season. That That season was... had everything that you could imagine, right? I mean, they played above their talent ability. They had incredible wins. They had the brutal Oregon loss. They had the Curtis Williams injury, that Stanford three-play, you know, game-winning touchdown by Justin Robbins, obviously, you know, playing Purdue, kicking the shit out of the Cougs that year. I think it was a 54-3 to three or 51-3. to 51-3, yeah. Um, you know, that, that was a damn good year of football. Dude, you forgot about the best memory from that year. Aside from the Rose Bowl. What? Beating the best team we ever beat. Yeah, we. Yeah, I just. I don't think you mentioned Miami. Well, yeah, but I I said big, didn't I say big win? Big wins. Yeah, he said big wins. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that Miami game was, you know, one of the best home games ever, I, you know, I've ever experienced. Um, so, for me, that's tough only because, you know, getting having Don James. Okay, let's say we had him for three more years. I mean, the team did take a little hit. You're going to after you lose yeah. Edmund and some other guys to the national title season, right? There's going to be a natural dip. But look at this: the '95 team tied for the Pac-12 champion, Pac-12, yeah. the Pac-10, the the uh, the '93 team. So '93, I looked this up. '93 Pac-10. There were three teams that were six and two. Huskies were five and three. The '94 team. That was the year we started out beating Ohio State and uh, Miami. You know, we lost to USC barely. You, I think uh, we crushed UCLA, and then we kind of fell off at the end 
So, I mean, you could make the case if Don James coached another three years, like you would probably say that that could have been two more. Well, we would have been on probation for one year, but of those three years, you could have said at least two more conference championships. What if he stayed five and they had him for 97? Well, even don't forget the 96 team was a cunt hair away from beating Arizona state who was a cunt hair themselves from winning the national, you know, going undefeated. Yeah. And getting I mean, a share of the national championship. So give me Don James. Sorry. Well, I, you know what? I, if you're winning, like maybe he stays a couple more years. He has a couple, couple tough years then maybe he does cut it short. I don't know. Hard yeah. I, 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 Maybe you can convince me, but given the fact, I think he only would have coached two or three more. If if the case is he only would have coached two or three more years, it's Gary Pinkle. If if we had Gary Pinkle, and he so he coached until I think twenty fourteen, and he I mean he started to get sick. He's still alive, but if we ha- if we hired Gary Pinkle instead of New Heisel, we would have had four coaches over nearly sixty years. Yeah. And there fair. wouldn't there wouldn't have been, you know, no downturn like our brand, our prestige would have reverted back to Don James, you know, the way it was during most of that era and you know, a whole gen we wouldn't have lost like a whole generation of fans. So well, look to- at it this way. Though, so let me let me before you continue. Just let me stop you a second. One, anything that AA Andy tells you, I'm not <laughs> <laughs> I think the guys full of shit. <laughs> secondly <laughs> secondly no Andy I'm sure he's a wonderful man um, but that you didn't say you, you said he was full of shit I mean you can still be a wonderful man and be full of shit that's true but let, let, let me say something real quick though let, let's just say let's assume Don made it another five what if Pinkle was the natural successor what what if what if it ended up that pinkle you know maybe don james handpicks pinkle okay 20 second timeout i gotta give a shout out to alex bolton because he he pointed exactly that thing out you got you got to follow alex bolton on twitter because he is not part of the lunatic fringe he's just part of the the uh intelligent part he's the intelligent very intelligent part of the Husky fan base, super passionate. And he was going off on Wilner. I mean, he was retweeting all these things, just go on in a respectful way. But, I mean, when you have Alex Bolton crapping on what you're saying, John Wilner, like, you know that you're full of shit, speaking of being full of shit. So the lunatic French comment, Alex Bolton just took a huge shit himself, like, all over that. <laughs> and that that was his point, was that, that Don James... He, 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 you know, would have coached several more years and then gotten Pinkle to succeed him. And also, based on what I said earlier, the Tom, the guy who was relaying the Tom Porter conversation, that Tom Porter felt that Don, he, he wanted Pinkle. You know, he assumed he. That's I, I think he was saying that that's what Don wanted to happen is that he would have coached a little while longer and then Pinkle would have been the successor. Well, yeah, that would have been that would have been obviously the most ideal scenario. Um, but no, to your point though, that longevity, the stability, you know, obviously New Heights was more of a splash hire, right? There was more pizzazz 
more sizzle, less steak around New Heitzel than Pinkle, right? I mean, New Heitzel had that young, he had that Clinton shine, right? Remember when Bill Clinton was, you know, all the rage when he came onto the scene? He played the saxophone on Arsenio Hall. He was smooth and charismatic. I mean, New Heitzel kind of fit that more uh, shiny mold than I think Pinkle did, right? And that's probably why a part of Hedges making that choice. It had to be. Yeah, no. So, yeah, I mean, obviously best case scenario would have been for James to coach longer and and then Pinkle to step in and take over. It would have been fantastic. I mean, we suffered, you know, the worst stretch in modern history of Husky football. I mean, we. I, I'll have to ask Andrew to look at this. Like, has there been a team that has or a program that has collapsed or collapsed as much as we did back after '02? It's been bad, obviously. And you know, there's more rumblings, chest talking about coaches about Peterson's role in this. And, and you, you kind of were touching on it. You didn't go, you didn't deep dive, but you're, the fact that, you know, he recruited these guys in the program, the commitment he made to these players, um, the disarray that is clearly the case with the program. Like for a guy that talks about character and being built for life and all that, all that nonsense, you know, he might have to take a look in the mirror about what he left behind and what he said publicly, and where this program is right now. I mean, I just know, well, let let me say this. I think that, I think I texted you this, and I kind of tweeted this, because it was a little provocative, but I'll I'll tell you what Jen Cohen is going to do at the end of this season. This is my prediction. Is she's going to ask Peterson to come back and say, look, you know, the job is yours if you want it next year. Hopefully she makes – I mean, she's going to ask him to come back, and if Peterson says no, then what's what's going to happen is they'll probably Jimmy – will, Jimmy will be back with new coordinators probably. And the reason is Cohen doesn't have the gravitas right. to collect all the buyout money. Well, I mean, I guess you'd still have to get the buy. you know, you'd still have to do that if you – uh, if Peterson comes back to some degree, um, but she doesn't have the gravitas to do all that, you know, fire, b- interview all these, you know, people and, and hire the new coach. And she just, I, I just don't think that she can pull all that off. And I mean, Tequila seems to think she's not long for the job that she's probably going to quit or retire at some point. And I, I tend to agree with that because I think she knows that she's in over her head. I mean, we pointed this in, not to go off on a tangent, but I mean, she was a bad hire from day one, and it's not <laughs> her. It's not her fault. You know, she she shouldn't have been hired. It's the fault of the people who didn't do any due diligence and found someone who's qualified. You know, yeah, if they put you in a job where you're going to make way more money and it's a higher step up, of course you're going to take the fucking job. <laughs> you know, and maybe you'll milk it for for a few years. But it's, so she was a bad hire from day one. So I kind of get annoyed when people are like, well, yeah, she made all these shitty hires, which is true. I made the same point. But 
She was a bad hire, not because she made all these bad hires herself. It was because from day one, it was pretty obvious that she wasn't the best and most qualified candidate. Well, her resume didn't fit the job. She didn't have the the background. She didn't have the experience to be put in that role. Right. I mean, you remember that article about how they tried? I mean, we've talked about this before, but the credit that she was given for the Peterson hire, <laughs> I mean, oh, it, it's, I, I even think Softy even stood by that story. The, tw- the 2018, after the 2018 uh, Pac-12 championship game, the honks were giving her credit. Oh, yeah, um, and Jen Cohen, yeah, I mean, she played a big role in getting Chris Peterson here. That's <laughs> just like... Who believes that? Seriously, like who who buys that bullshit? Why would you even? Why would in the world would you even back support that non that position? It, it doesn't even make any sense to me whatsoever. Anyone believing that she was integral in the hiring of Chris Peterson? I mean, you're deranged. Remember, Pete, we didn't hire Peterson. He hired himself. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, this is this is not complicated. Hey, uh, here's my agent's phone number. You can shoot him an email. You know, here you go. Work out the details. I'll see you on Sunday. Yeah. So circling back to Peterson, I w- I mean, those are those are Cohen's best options here. I mean, she's obviously going to trying to get Peterson to come back as the easy thing to do. So that's, I, I, that's he's, basically apparently he's around the program. If, yeah, if you read the athletic article, he's basically, he's tanned, rested and ready. He's even helping out on some of the NIL stuff with, with it, the coach, yeah. but, he, but you know what? He hasn't been there. She, she, he, he hasn't really had contact with Jimmy Lake. It sounds like, so he's been far enough away from football, you know, where, I think that's the right play, right? Unless Lake reached out to him, that's a different deal. But correct. But given that there's some people seem to think Jimmy has a bit of an ego. (laughs) Who 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 thinks such a thing? (laughs) The the lunatic fringe. (laughs) Oh, those lunatic fringe. Terrible. yeah, I, I think if you if you read if you read that athletic article, yeah, it is yeah. interesting how much Pete is still around the yes. athletic pro. It sounds like he's a quasi athletic director, basically. Yeah, I mean, look at that again. And people that listen to the pod on a consistent basis, if any, will will note us talking about, you know. Peterson running the program and and Cohen's, you know, that when they were announcing that he was leaving, you could see the terror, the fear, the unknown. And, you know, they it was stated that he was the anchor for that department. And, you know, it's clear the influence that he had on. Uh, of all those people in in executive leadership or whatever the the, the upper echelon leadership of the athletic program, 
you know, really leaned in on Peterson. There was a lot of, um, you know, he had a lot on his plate. And clearly, you know, maybe he didn't anticipate that beyond football, there was going to be all these other people looking for his guidance and his, uh, you know, his opinions or thoughts on what they should do and how things should be done. I mean, it was clear that Cohen you know, relied on him in many ways beyond being the head football coach. Yes. So, you know, and then he's got to manage everything with football and he's got to manage all the social media bullshit and he's got to manage, you know, apparent this apparent large ego of Jimmy's. Who knows what that relationship was inside? We would never know. But we knew Peterson wasn't into brashness and things of that nature, and I'm sure there's some things that irked him. But, you know, to go back, you originally brought him up. It's going to be very interesting if he feels at all responsible for mm-hmm. most of these kids he recruited, and they're not getting they're not getting the experience that they were sold on by Peterson. Totally. And I don't know about you, but if that were me, I would, I mean, I don't know all the factors he's dealing with, but that would, that would weigh on me to some degree. Well, you, you, you think you're going to play for a coach who's highly regarded, right? He's going to be a hall of famer. I mean, he's got a track record. He's got this built for life program that, you know, they sell real hard to the parents. Um, yeah, I mean, there was a lot, I'm sure, you know, there's, they have a whole package that they pitch and lay out to these kids. And, you know, on the other flip side, kids have to go into this understanding that it's a volatile business. You know, the coaches could change at any time, but they're probably, I mean, I don't think anyone really thought that Peterson was going to retire. And I, I seriously doubt he was pitching these kids that, yeah, I'm kind of on the fence. Uh, the Rose Bowl sucked. I didn't enjoy it at all. I had that $100 steak. I shit it out like an hour later. The whole thing sucked. Um, you know, I, I didn't have fun. Um, I'm thinking about quitting. Uh, I, I, I really won't talk to you when you get the program. I'll, I might email you, and I'm just going to stay in my office. <laughs> You know, <laughs> I have a feeling he wasn't sharing those opinions with the players that he was recruiting. <laughs> yeah, but you know, he he wanted he wanted he wanted a sabbatical. He and, he, sh- he should be know, recharged now. He should. And look, I mean, coaching has to be an unbelievable grind. Especially, you know, in this day and age, it, it, it has to be just a, a constant grind. I, you know, and, and look, if you aren't in it and you have those feelings and you share those later, like, and you have already made it financially, like, yeah, you get the hell out, right? You're not working because you got to pay the mortgage. You know, the mortgage is paid and then some, um, you know. It's time to get out, especially if, like, you know, you go through that Rose Bowl experience and you weren't looking forward to it at all. I mean, that's that that has to let you know that you know it's your time to just to bow out. Yeah, but I guess we'll find out how much of it is just bowing out 
temporarily. I mean, a lot of if you look at a lot of great coaches, well, at least I think of, I mean, Urban Meyer and Bill Parcells. I mean, they jumped around quite a bit, both of them. So maybe that. I mean, I well, think you got Ed Orgeron's available. I'm I'm kidding. If we're talking, okay, so, I mean, the reason, I mean, I like the idea of Pete coming back for a couple reasons. One, yeah, one, I think you could prevent an out, a roster outflow to the transfer portal. Like, I think you could hold on to, you you could hold on to the majority of the guys you need to hold on to. And it would, it would, you know, re-infuse the program with optimism. Uh, secondly, uh, what's my second? Who are you going to hire? Who's going to be a better hire than Peterson? Truly. Yeah, I forgot what my second reason was. Well, yeah, we'll get to it. You'll think about it. But is Washington a highly desirable job like it once was? It's not the same job. Well, I think... Look, but Peterson also thought he could win a national championship at, at Washington, and that was one reason why he wanted to come here. He, he thought he had that opportunity at Washington, and he still does. Yeah, he still could. But who are you going to hire better than Peterson? Well, I, I, yeah, I think the second reason would be like we were talking about weeks ago. If he came back, you're, we're going to see the the 2016 Pete, not the 2019 Pete. Right. Yeah, that's what you would say. Yeah, he'd come in with the with the with the uh, with the enthusiasm and the outlook to do it. Um, but let me ask you this real quick: if, if Urban Meyer said, "I want to coach a Washington," would you want him? Fuck yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I would too. <laughs> do I care what he does on his personal time? Just win, baby. Because I think I think there's there's a if you look at let's say there's three options. Jimmy comes back next year. Peterson comes back, or you hire somebody else. Two of those three options, you're going to be in rebuilding mode to some degree. Yeah, like we don't want Sam Heward to be the next Jake Locker, you know, where he's going to be fucking trying to get the team to seven (laughs) and six every year. Like Uh, we don't want that. That's not what Sam wants either. I'm sure. Yeah, and I think um, now as far as the candidates who we could potentially hire and you're talking, cause you're talking about the job. It's clear that, and I, I think, you know, the quality of the job, it does change year to year, you know, based on where the program is trending, the competitors and all that. And we are in a, you know, cause Oregon has a lot of moment. They have long-term momentum. Now, you know, USC, USC is going to make a good hire. There's too many good coaches available. They're not going to fuck it up. And, you know, chip at UCLA, he's, you know, I know some people are saying he's on the hot seat, but you know he's done fairly well. Dude, I UCLA mean, he, is a shit program. You don't. I, I just don't think you. Why would you fire Chip? You don't. You yeah. Don't no. Fire it, yeah, it would be stupid. But, um, yeah, I just think. Look, yeah, I. No, I, I agree with you. It's not because some people are saying, "Oh, we could hire the Cincinnati." Could like that's no way that guy's gonna get. It's USC or. <laughs> Yeah, we don't have. Here are some. Here are some guys. I think we might be able to get the two that I've looked at. The two that I've looked at. Charlie um, Weiss. Charlie Weiss? 
<laughs> Bob Simmons. I'm joking. A Charlie lot of- Weiss wanted to coach at Washington. You remember that? Yeah, he did. No, and I thought he would be a good hire. Like, I was telling people about that. Yeah. So. Um, he went to Notre Dame instead. Yeah. So, the Boston College coach, Jeff Halfley, is that his name? I don't know. Uh, Coker and a lot of people are pretty high on him. He looks good. And then the Fresno State coach, he looks really interesting. Yeah, sure, he does. He was yeah. a very – when Fresno State was good a couple of years ago, he was a, the offensive coordinator. Yeah. And so – and then they tanked after that season when he was the offensive yeah. coordinator. He went can to he, in, can Indiana. Can he bring Hainer with him? Is he going to bring Hainer? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> um. And previously, he coached at a really small school, but he was killing it before that. So I, I think those remember, are. Remember, you remember Irv Meyer was killing it at Utah, and then before that, he was killing it at Bowling Green. Yeah, I mean, you know, those are you know those are the guys you want, right? They're they're killing it at any level, and, and they're and they're they're taking like a, a, a lesser program, and they're taking better right. programs. Exactly, they're beating them. Yeah, I mean, that's what you know. That's what you look for. That's what Don James was. Right. No, you're exactly right. No more, no more fucking coordinators without head coaching experience. Yeah, fuck that. No, dude. Let's let's stop with the <sighs> on the job training. Yeah. yeah, where have we heard this? Jimmy needs more time to learn how to be a coach. Oh man. No, and like John Wilner is saying, he needs to do better with his you know his next coordinator hires. Like, dude, you're two years too late. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like he should hire really strong court, you know, coordinators. That's what Wilner was saying. Like, buddy, it's too fucking late. Two years too late. You don't get it when you fuck it up this bad. You don't get another shot. No, you don't. And and you know, to the listeners, Chess and I supported Lake being the guy, and we were excited. I did, I was dooging. I thought it was going to be great. You know, you can yeah. tell me I'm an idiot because I am. You know, you'd be right. I supported <laughs> it. I'm fine with that. We. Look, I mean, we we broke it down ad nauseum about Peterson, and look, if his heart wasn't into it and he wasn't wanting to do the job, that you can be upset with the idea that you know he didn't like the Rose, he had he hated the Rose Bowl experience, you know, he was a shut in from the players, he wasn't communicating, like that's an that's an easy critique, and that's what we've always done, regardless of the status or, or the history of the coach, like we're going to, we're calling it out in real time. And, you know, if Pete's not into it, that's an issue. And we had this sense of Jimmy uh, in respect to, you know, the level of attention he was getting elsewhere. Obviously the, the success he was having in Washington defensively, uh, the energy that he brought to the sideline in that position it is like a completely different individual in all facets and how he speaks to the media, how he, how he acts on the sideline, uh, what he says in respect to what we see on the field. I mean, like, have you like, truly, if you think through all of those things, like, can you have, do you have another scenario that has been so strange and bizarre and completely 180 that you can even think of. But Chess, remember him on the sideline as the defensive coordinator? The dude was animated all of the time. 
And now he just stands there like a statue, deer in the headlights as the head coach. He doesn't. He uses cliches with the media, and some of his answers are so bad. It's like, what are you thinking? It, it, no, it's truly mind blowing what we've witnessed. Yeah. No, look, most assistant coaches and position coaches are not good head coaches, but it's just surprising how bad he is. <laughs> And you know what? You're right. We're right. It, it reflects poorly on Peterson because he clearly wasn't even close to being ready for this. No, no. And he said, he said, you know, clearly that he wouldn't have done this if he hadn't felt like it was a good transition for the program. How this, like that is probably one of Peterson's, probably his most damning statement he has ever made as a coach. Truly. Yeah. Think about it. Like, you put a lot of weight into what Peterson says. One, because he hates the media. He doesn't give you a whole lot. He's not into the booster bullshit. And here he is, like, on the podium being like, this is the guy. Like, this is the guy to take him to the next level. And, it, you know, <laughs> instead of taking off and, you know, Bezos' freaking blue rocket <laughs> did you see that where I'm sorry to interrupt, but did you see that where uh what's the name? William Shatner was he was talking about it looked kind of emotional. He was talking about the experience and fucking Bezos was like, Come on, look at this, let me get a champagne bottle, give me champagne like interrupting him like in his profound thought, trying to just spray a champagne bottle everywhere. I mean, what a fucking douchebag. Oh no, he's it's bad, dude. It's really bad. I could do a whole pot on that too, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, dude. Give let let shot let Shatner shine. Come on, let's not let's not uh, not take it out. Let's not be little Shatner. I mean, come on. Anyway, you know, instead, right? It's just been the rocket took off a hundred feet and fell back to earth <laughs> and broke into. A thousand pieces. I mean, that's, there's probably a gif of that somewhere. There, there is. There probably is, right? Yeah, exactly. We should. That should be the the epitome of the season. So, I mean, look, look. I mean, that's got to eat at Peterson a little yeah, bit. It has to look at Peterson. I'm sorry, but um, you know, it, 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 people wouldn't have any problem with you leaving if Jimmy was doing fine. I mean, even if this was like an oh, eight and four team, I don't think people would have that much of an issue with it. But the fact that, as you said, this thing has just gone to shit really quick. Um, now people have an issue with what you said because you were, you were totally wrong about that dude. <laughs> Dead, like completely wrong. And you know, one way you can rectify that is you come back. You know, it doesn't mean you have to coach for another six years. You can just come back and, you know, coach three years. Well, I prefer sex. I mean, yeah, yeah, me what, too. What, what is he? Fifty six, fifty seven, right in there. Now, I, I, if he takes another, like that's the other thing. What if he took? W would it look even worse if he took another job? No, I, I, I mean, I think would I, I would think it looks worse if he took another job and Jimmy just, you know, ended up getting fired and all his players transferred out. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I think. 
Well, he never did. He ever rule out coaching again, though? Yeah, not. Yeah, not entirely. Yeah, I mean, I think, but how often? I mean, I guess they're like Bill Snyder at Kansas State. How many times he come back? Like two or three times. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to see what. I think it was like a three-year. He came back after three years. I think. I, I mean, there's been like that, that scenario doesn't happen a lot, but there are obviously. Mike cases. Riley came back to Oregon State. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's not unheard of, but it's not it's not common. But yeah, I mean, I think I think it would look it'd be maybe I'd put some more weight on it depending on the program he went to. Like, what if he went back to Boise State? I don't know how I'd react to that. What if he went to USC? If he went to USC, some of our players would be hitting the portal and ending up at USC. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think um I think if he took another job, I'd want to see where and then I'd want to see you know some of the questions that he got. I I'd be curious if he'd get any you know, if anyone if Capel would pipe in, you know, on the you know, any reporter can come in, right? Ask yeah. questions. It would be interesting to see if he got some, you know, some uncomfortable questions. Don't about, you, about yeah. His, but don't you think it's interesting that he he's doing TV this season? I mean, usually a lot of coaches they leave a job, yeah. They do to TV and then they go back. And then there was that CBS reporter who said I'm told he wants back in. Yeah, right now I remember. And I you know, I don't it's in his blood, right? Yeah, I, mean, I don't. I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily think that's a hundred percent true, but there has to be a there has to be a sliver of truth in that for the guy to print it. Yeah, you know, yeah. It, it, it's it can't just be made up. I mean, there has to be like a breadcrumb somewhere that he got that from. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And so, I, look, I, Jen, Jen Cohen, you got to put on your big girl pants and make this happen. And well, you, yeah. I mean, we, we know that's not a reality. And, and, and look, you know, we, we've we've spent a lot of time in Peterson. I think it's a worthwhile conversation. Um, you know, we didn't even touch UCLA, which do you, I mean, do we even want to go through UCLA much? I mean, well, I mean, we talked about it a little bit. I won. We, we talked bit. about Morris and I, I think the UCLA game. I mean, here's another thing like John Donovan is just a symptom of the problem. If you look at UCLA, you know, according to what I read, the offensive line, I mean, Morris had a lot of time. There were only one or two plays where he was under duress. Like, he had a good amount of time to make throws. Guys were open. So I don't, I mean, if this team had a good quarterback, th things would look completely different. I don't think we would have pitchforks Um well, I mean, in the direction of John Donovan. I mean, we might because the offense, you know, Lake's philosophy is is fucktarded, but yeah, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. But I just think, a, you know, a good. We haven't had good quarterback play. That makes everything difficult. It does. And I think but, defensively, like, where is Dom Hampton? Like, why is he not playing? We have this guy. He's killing people on special teams. He's a like a six two, two hundred twenty pound safety. He's physical. 
Are you telling me like Asa Turner is better than Dom Hampton? There's no way. I mean, what what the hell is going – why is he not playing when you can't defend the run? Yeah, I think we could use – I mean, let him go in there and hit somebody. <laughs> yeah, just let him like – yeah, let him blow someone up. That, that, you know, that's the other thing. It's like, yeah, do we want to break down like series or plays? Like I don't because it's it's things like that. It's it's the it's the personnel decisions around like Pleasant only getting nine carries, uh, a guy who can apparently is the best blocker and can catch the ball and has been running unbelievably every time he touches the ball, pretty much. Uh, those are the things that are just crazy. What is going on with Dylan Morris? Why isn't Kate Otten more involved? I, I mean, it's like, you know, defensively with linebacker, they're just hamstrung at linebacker. They just don't have anywhere to go. It's just you have Eddie and you have a bunch of Jags. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have to – you have to recruit your way out of it and look at the linebacker recruiting. Like, how many years have we yeah. spent about talking about yeah. that? Bob Gregory should have been fired years ago. Years. And can I be point out, I, I don't want to get too big into this, but, like, you know, the Savelle Smalls worship that took place for so many years, like – I think the trouble for Smalls is that he's a tweener. Like, he's just – I don't know that he has the size on the edge or the quickness, but he's an awkward body style for a linebacker. He doesn't have the the lateral movement ability. Um, he's definitely was not a five-star recruit. And, and I, I'm concerned, like – is he not developing because of the coaching or is it that he was overhyped? I just, I think one thing with the, the smalls expectations are going to have to come down. I, I, I'm not seeing the guy that we anticipate. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to take him some time based on, on what you said, but he's either going to have to figure out, he, you know, I don't know if his frame allows him to bulk up and move inside. I just don't know that. Like, he can't play that. If you want to play that, like, buck position, he can't be a buck. He doesn't have the... Lateral speed, that's what you're yeah, saying? He doesn't have the lateral speed. He just, his, he's a little awkward in his size. Well, I mean, he's going to have to work. He's going to have to work on it. His, oh. I mean, look at ZTF. He didn't bust out until... Uh, his, they're built his, differently, man. His they're third year. I mean, ZTF, man, he's just long and lean and nasty. I know, but look at, and I know Tryon has a great body too, but I'm just, I know that, I, I know that maybe Savelle's ceiling now is not as high as those guys. Yeah. But he's still a really talented guy. And if you look at those other guys, like they didn't really start to, I mean, remember Tryon in 2019? I mean, that was his third season. I mean, he he only started to flash. I mean, Savelle, you had one fake. This is he hasn't even played. How many how many games has he been on the team for? Like eight or nine or yeah, ten? I mean, I mean he hasn't. So it. I mean, even even if he didn't start making plays until the middle of um the 23 season. I mean that 
No, that, that's Does, that doesn't mean he's a bust. It's just, you know, we forget. It's, yeah, it's unfortunate. He's a five-star. He's not. But same thing with Heward. You know, he's, I mean, we'll see. Unfortunately, you know, it's not like we got Trevor Lawrence and uh, yeah. who's the other five-star? I forget. They had the wide receiver that was really good. Mecca? Uh Well, yeah, him too. But, uh, yeah, no, that's a good point. There's yeah. one other personnel thing I wanted to touch well, on. Oh, yeah, it, with, like, Z, with ZTF, great that he came back. He only played 10 snaps. Here's my thing with ZTF. Just do whatever you can to get him on the team next year. Okay, this year is fucked already. Let's just hope yeah. that we can get him to come back. That's all I care about. Well, if he, ha- if he, you know, I-, I think I read, though, he was only, how many snaps did he, but he had four Ten. QB Ten snaps, but he had four QB pressures. So, I mean, like, if the film, like, that's one thing. If you limit his snaps, maybe he doesn't have the film yet for the NFL to be like, you know, to grade him. And they recommend he stays. I mean, that's your greatest hope. But if he gets an NFL grade and is like, you know, has the potential to be drafted in the first three or four rounds, like, <laughs> why are you going to stick around? Yeah, I mean, lose it well first three or four because you could get way more money. You could play yourself into the first or you second could. round. You could. The other issue, though, that you're dealing with is that he did have that Achilles injury. Yeah, that's true. Um, but, and, you know, losing Kwiatkowski, obviously, you know, that sucks. But I know the, you know, some people have lumped in like Rip Rowan with the other coaches. I mean, you know, Rip Rowan was a, you know, guy who got promoted. And, the the guys on the team speak really really highly of him. Yeah, you you said that. So yeah, I just when I see guys who are lumping in Rowan with some of the other coaches like Gregory, I mean, come on, that's that's not fair. I, I think what you you could you could point out though, Jess, is that you know Jimmy like elevated GAs, hired a running back coordinator was probably making like 200 and some thousand at Jacksonville. Like, Hey, do you want to come to Washington? Make like four times more, uh, you know, keeping Gregory. It's just like when you, like, I see your point too, but then it's like, well, Jimmy just elevated a GA, a couple GA guys, uh, some guy that was like a, you know, a film analyst. And then you bring on, you know, this joker of a, of a, the coordinator and you keep Gregory and you elevate Gregory to the, to the defensive coordinator. It's like, when you look at the body of decisions, you're just like, what the, what I know it looks shitty in the context, but I I mean, Peterson, sure. Peterson would have probably made the same move on Rip Rowan. Well, that, you know, that, I think that's a fair, you know, a fair point. to But it's like what uncle, uncle race always says. It's the head coach. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's that's right. That's true. Uh, and and look, if you're an outsider and you're an avid fan, or you you maybe you keep up on things and you look at, you know, you may you just have a you you dabble your toe, right? You're not you're not deep into the shit, and and you see the the hires as a whole, and it's not working out. You're like, well, why why in the hell did he, bring, you know, promote that guy? Why didn't he go get some guy? Some up and coming in a program, you know. You, you know what I'm saying? Like to your point, you know, the players loved him. Peterson maybe maybe have made the same decision on him, and you, you look at it from a different angle. 
you know, maybe it's the right move there. Uh, but like you said, the, the body of work and the, the, the totality of all of the hires, it's, it's, you know, just, it doesn't bode in a positive light. Yeah, but I'm just I yeah, but that the problem is all the other higher hires. Yeah. Not... Right. Yeah. No, I am agreeing with you. And I mean the tight end, you know, Durham, Cato, I mean he's recruiting, he's at least trying. I mean, I think we finished second for that guy that Georgia got. So I know that's that's <laughs> how that's how shitty recruiting has gone, but um Listen, I don't look. Are, I, it's are. it's it's the old dinosaurs like Bob Gregory and Keith Boner that, you know, I mean, I'd rather have young up and coming guys, and John Donovan too. He's a dinosaur. I mean, he's failed multiple times as a coordinator. Listen, we we have got to wrap this sucker up. So if there's questions, I know my bowels are telling me as much. Let me. <laughs> I mean, we've answered some of the questions. Let me um, quickly. I almost forgot, so that you you doomed yourself by bringing them up. But let's see. Okay. Well, you would have mentioned it. Yeah. Yeah. This is okay. Fast. Thoughts on Jen Cohen calling fans who are critical casual fans (laughs) when the school can't afford to lose any more fans. Yeah, that's a really bad look. Terrible. But you know what? What? What can they say? She knows that it's this ship is sinking. To blame it. Yeah, the fan comment just I don't get it. I mean you can't blame the coaches or the players, so who's next? <laughs> the fans. <laughs> okay, two part. Thoughts it took coaching staff ten games to imply, as Will Harris did, that they are going to start bringing safety into the box for run support. So Will Harris allegedly said, Yeah, we're gonna start doing that. Hmm. Also, does Donovan know he won't be back next year, either directly from Lake or indirectly? What say that one again? Does Donovan already know he won't be back next year, either directly from Lake or indirectly? Indirectly. Yeah. Is John Don a terrible OC, or is he just the only poor slob willing to birth an offensive love child with Jimmy. I just think he's a bad. Yeah. He's a bad hire. It's not his fault. I mean, it's like with Jen Cohen, of course she's going to take the job and you can also throw in Jimmy Lake as well. You know, huge pay raise. Of course he's going to take the job, even though he knows he's probably in over his head. That's a common theme with high, with highly paid positions at UW. They just put people in there who who are in over their head. Yeah, it's it's uh it's it's truly bizarre. Is it true that Sam Heward is starting Friday for us? Uh, so I, I don't know. I haven't heard anything. I, I mean, if you take Lake's comment, he said they're far far away from ever considering a quarterback change. Obviously, is he going to give you much insight publicly? Probably not. But he made a pretty. Pretty solid statement in that there's there's there nowhere near that uh, thought process. You know, errors. This would be a, a game to get him. Yeah, of course. Sure. Um, okay. What do you guys make of Jen Cohen hiring a young Oregon alum and current Duck fan to run NIL? I think she's a social media type. I don't know if it's NIL. She's been around, isn't it? That same chick is 
she's been here for a few years. It's a new one. She's oh. um, she worked for the Warriors. She oh. went to Oregon. She worked for the Pac-12, I think. I mean, shit. Uh, you know, it's like coaches. I mean, there's been coaches that coached at Oregon and coached at UW, and you know, I don't know. I, do I do I want to duck in the marketing department? No, but I mean, at the end of the day. You know, she's working for a paycheck and you keep your job by doing a good job. So, you know, it's her job to whatever her responsibility is. If she succeeds at it, you're going to continue to pay her. If she sucks at it, you hope that they fire her. But, you know, UW doesn't appear to want to fire people that are doing a bad job. So I don't know. I don't care. I, I honestly, I don't care. I, I just want them to win games. Is she going to help them win games? Doubtful. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think we need to jump all over. I know people were jumping on her because she had, you know, one of the Ashley Adamson from the Pac-12 like asked her something about her Oregon clothes, like are you going to get rid of those? And she was saying no, you know, no way, which was like a bad look. So, look, I mean, I think you got to okay, hire that- you got to hire qualified people and you know, maybe she's really qualified, but not to blame this on Jen, but it really when you it, you know, the athletic director, whoever hired her has to say, you know, look, it's fine that you're an Oregon fan. Just do that privately, you know, publicly in your Twitter, social media, you know, you're now a Washington fan, you know, that's your job. That, that is completely, uh, fine by me. Like, yeah, if you're going to be at UW, you're not going to be like pumping up the ducks. That's absurd. And if someone asks you, are you going to burn your duck clothes? I'm a Husky. I wear purple and gold. That's my team. That's- uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna reply and, and put that in. That's really good. No, you're right. Yeah, I mean that that is that's the answer that you state publicly. Now, if your friends or your family are gonna text you and be like, "Yeah, what the fuck? You're gonna you mean? look," you say, "Look, this is my job. I of course I'm gonna root for the Ducks. I mean, let's you know, but yeah, publicly." I wear purple and gold. This is my team. That That is the proper response. Yeah, she sounds like – I take back everything. This, this the girl sounds like a total moron to me. <laughs> like if you're just like going to defend your docs, like, no, no, you say I'm purple and gold, baby. Yeah, you think Jim Mora was – when Jim Mora was coaching UCLA, I mean, do you think he was would tell people he's a Husky fan? Oh, my God. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, great point. Like, no, like, use your brain. Don't be so stupid. Don't be dumb. Like, of course, okay, now she opens herself up for criticism because that's just a dumb thing to say. Like, yeah. you, you, you represent your employer now, especially if it's in marketing and you're speaking to a reporter. On Was this on TV? No, it was on Twitter. It was a tweet. It was a tweet. Okay. I like how you're getting fired up. Continue. Yeah, I'm fired up now because, you know, don't be a dumbass. God. She's probably making pretty good money, too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She, this, this girl sounds like a total dunce. Did she go to Oregon? She went to Oregon, clearly. Like, what, what do you need? Like, it, you, know what's, you know what's interesting is how, like, I'm not an academic snob or elitist. But all the like hires in the UWAD, they're all from schools that are inferior to Washington. Yeah, like Oregon, like what is Oregon will take anybody, right? Their admissions standards are like extremely low. 
And you know, not the least of that is the athletic director herself who went to a party school. <sighs> so just chew on that, people. Yeah. Well, yeah, that marketing chick. Yeah. You know, respond to her. Tweet. Let her know. Give her that uh, feedback. I will. No, that's really good what you said. No, you always have the right answer for these things. <laughs> I should be a consultant. You should. We, we, what, what Andrew with his coaching formula, he wants to start a consultancy in the future. And, uh, yeah, we, we could be like, uh, armchair consultants. <laughs> I do it in a heartbeat. Wouldn't think twice. Well, that, you know, I, I'll have to like mention it to him. Like, you know, you're, this is going to be your first informal consulting job, you know, <laughs> use your formula to figure out who the fuck we should hire next. Yeah, let's do it. If, you know, if and P, you could include Peterson too in the numbers. Yeah. Um, okay, Joe Owen said, "Please send help." I know that's not a question. Just how I feel about the season so far. Yeah, well, I mean, we feel the same. It's it's yeah. been sad. It's disappointing. Who do you think last one? Who do you think would be a good replacement at head coach if Leak gets canned after the season? I mentioned three people. I mean, do you want to chime in on that? Um, give me Rolovich or Jerron, Urban Meyer. There's my three. Um, John Gruden. Yeah, I mentioned three earlier. <laughs> John <laughs> is Bill Parcells is still alive, right? Let's throw him in there. Listen, listen, listen. Give me the anti-vaxer. <laughs> give me the racist homophobe. Give me the womanizer. The guy who coached a national title team with 41 players that had a rap sheet. A guy that killed somebody, but nobody gives a shit because he won a national championship and Tim Tebow, Jesus Christ himself, was the quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> so just give me one of those guys. It'll be just fine. That would be great. Hey, too, too bad too bad one of our or too bad Jimmy Lake wasn't an anti vaxxer. Yeah, right? I mean, yeah, he'd be gone. We wouldn't have to worry about it. Look, let's just make up something that like he went to a Trump rally or something. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like he, he was at Jan six. They got him. They let, let's Photoshop him into a, into a <laughs> Photoshop him with like a, he's climbing up the side of the castle. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's smashing out a window. Oh, he's carrying a statue on his shoulder outside of the, Steps. Oh my! In <laughs> photo it. Photoshop, Photoshop John Donovan carrying the Confederate flag. <laughs> oh, chest! You've got to, you got to, you got to work your sources. Any Photoshop wizards out there, please put that together ASAP. <laughs> we need, we need a Jimmy Lake Jan Six uh, Photoshop job. Yeah, <laughs> Jimmy Lake could be the guy who's wearing like the horns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the 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 QAnon horn man. That's actually it was Jimmy Lake the whole time. Nobody knew. Oh man. Oh well, yeah. The, there's some idea. Those are my no. Joking aside, like I, to me, and I think you would agree, the number one candidate for the gig is Chris Peters. I mean, that's. That's just the that's the foregone conclusion here. I mean, it. 
I think it's the right play. I, I just don't think you're going to get that caliber of a coach. Yeah, I mean, if the other guys I would look at are the Boston College coach, Halfley, and then the Fresno State coach. Yeah, and there's no guarantees those guys pan out. Remember P.J. Fleck being all this shit, you know, and he got – yeah. yeah, Well, he's got the row the boat thing. I mean, we're a rowing school, so. Yeah, I mean, Fleck, I'm not taking Fleck, but, you know, there was a lot of hype around Fleck for a while. Yeah, you got to look at people who've had multiple – Yes. successes i mean some it's like you know colin cowherd is saying mel tucker for the lsu job i mean mel yeah. tucker's been a coach for two and a half years yeah. yes michigan state's undefeated they haven't beaten anybody any good like they're probably going to end up eight and four or nine and four it's just you know guy has has a good one good run <clears throat> and yeah, people just jizz all over him and put him on all these coaching lists yeah let's let's pump the brakes on mel tucker I mean, the Fres- yeah, the Fresno State guy, he was really good at a, a really small school. He was good as an offensive coordinator at Fresno State, and now he's doing a really good job as a head coach. So you want the, if you're looking at a guy at a lower school, I mean, that's a guy who's been successful multiple times like that, and not just somebody who, well, they had one good season. Yeah, I think there's – I think you have a strong case for that guy, but – the odds of us getting them probably slim. Just the reality. Okay, well, uh, before we close here, Jimbo, um, let's uh, let's do predictions for Arizona. It doesn't even matter. To, uh, Would it be I, better I in the long run if we lost? Uh, it look, dude. I I hate to say this, and I, I don't want to spend a lot. Of, I mean, I'm. Don't get, don't take this wrong. I'm not rooting for a loss, but a win doesn't really do anything either, right? Like, okay, you beat the worst team in the Pac-12, uh, or you beat them. You are expected to beat them because they're so bad. Like this, this game is just. There's so much more consequences for a loss. It, but is there? That's the other thing. Is there really? I, I mean. What more does this leadership team need to see from out of Jimmy to know this, this is the right guy? Uh, I mean, well, sure, I, I think if the game, okay, fine. I think if they know the coaches quit, on, or uh, the, I think if they can see that the players have quit on the coaches. Uh, yeah, that's a big problem. Which here's the thing with Arizona, like they're really bad. I know they have not only are they bad, they have lots of injuries. Like they're down to their, I think they're third or maybe even fourth quarterback. And yeah. if, you, if you look at, this is a team that, what is our what is our kryptonite? It's teams that can run. If you look at, I'm looking at the Pac-12 rushing stats. In average yards per carry, we're 11th. Guess who is 12th? <laughs> Arizona. They only have one rushing touchdown this year. Oof. If you look at the other, t- I'm just, I'm, I'll move up the rankings. They have one. Uh, we have nine. Here's some other schools. Eight, seven, 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 eight, sixteen, sixteen, twenty-two, eleven, eighteen. So I mean, Arizona is like they're like 2008 Wazoo level or 2012 Colorado level bad. So they're really at this point they're really in dire straits. So I mean, I think that leads to a Washington victory. Let's say like 26 to 16. 
We're favored by 18. So you, you think they're going to score 16? Yeah, I think they'll score 16 points. I do. Yeah, I think Washington wins a game, but it's like, are you excited about the game? Like, there's like I don't have a lot of excitement about watching the game. And I hate being in that place for Husky football. I yeah. always look forward to the games, but I just don't. I'm not very excited about this matchup, to be frankly honest with you. Yeah, they're only averaging 14 points per game. Yeah, I think they I think they squeeze out 16 on us. That's what I think. Yeah, no, I'm I look, I'm you know, I'm mildly excited just cuz it's a husky game. <laughs> I'm just, you know, the, the things we talked about, those are more those are going to move the needle for the program. Do you, you know? know what you're going to see, Chess? You're going to be why isn't Pleasant getting more carries? How come our linebackers can't tackle anybody? Why can't Dylan Morris hit a deep ball? I'm just saying, all you're going to see is everything we've been talking about. Why isn't Dom Hampton playing safety? Okay, yeah, it's like you're looking for the break, break breakout player, and you're telling me that this Arizona team is Coug 08 bad or Colorado 2012 bad, and you're telling me, like, okay, we see some big plays. We see some semblance of an offense. It's like, okay, they're playing the worst team in the Pac-12. Yeah, not only are they the worst they're team, but they they have you know they have huge injuries. I'm not trying to shit all over Arizona, but it's like they're bad. Plus, they're like playing backups because they've had so many guys get hurt. Well, that you should expect a blowout. I mean, Co- Colorado's really bad, and Colorado beat them thirty-four to zero. Oh, so okay. Well, do you want me to change my score? Twenty-six to ten. <laughs> so we're not we're not going to cover. Uh, fuck. I mean, it seems like with UW and Vegas, we are terrible. This is going to be one of the games we score more than seventeen points. I'll tell you that much. Well, I I I'm I'm confident in that. All right. I like I said, I'm going with. I'll change it to twenty-six to ten. Washington wins. I'm going to go with 34 to 10 that we will cover. Great. I'm not betting on it, so I don't give a shit. I've got you fired up. Just get a win. Just fucking, I guess, win the game and be like, we beat Arizona. We're awesome. We're on our way up. Jimmy like, well, we mission accomplished. We scored over 30 points. We got our first 50-yard play of the year. You got to start somewhere. I think UW's like one of the only programs in the country now that doesn't have a 50-yard play on offense. Let me, uh, I can look that up if you want this thing to drag on. I really don't, but if you want, you can look it up. Yeah, it's, yeah, it'll take me too much time. Yeah, just, you know, fuck, save the I'll take your word for it. All right, any final words, brother, before I stop recording? I'm sorry about the recording mishap last week, guys. I hope it doesn't happen on this one. We're at an hour, almost an hour and 40, so please, please just end it. All right, that's all. Talk to you guys next week. Go dogs.